0: Well, I think it's fair to say that I couldn't have packed more into this episode if I tried some big announcements, my insights from day one from APP and sharing with you the biggest insights and highlights in nine critical areas of the last 12 months of transformation in our bite sized review episode. I know you're going to love it.
1: Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr.
0: G'day, everyone, and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, All that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours. All the way through to episode 54 our anniversary show, and as you can tell from our intro, I'm just a little bit excited today to bring it to you. There's so much gold that we've been able to uncover in the last 12 months, and you're going to walk away from this episode with all the best bite-sized chunks for you to take away and implement into your business straight away. I know you're going to love it. Before we get into that, we're at APP and it's fantastic to see so many from the pharmacy industry come up here and learn and develop and network and all really look forward to what we can create together in 2015 and beyond. We heard from the health minister yesterday that it's going to be challenging coming up and there's going to be things that we need to deal with from the Sixth Agreement that are going to be challenging, but there's also opportunity as well. And I guess that's how we look at it ourselves as well. There's so many things we can do in our businesses independent of PBS and we really need to be focusing on that as well. And it was great to hear a lot of those opportunities, one of my favourite sessions yesterday Funnily enough, on technology it was from Paul Naismith on pharmacy megatrends. And you know, he went through where ERX has developed and how eR and electronic prescriptions will soon be the way of the past, but also the fact that the technology is present already overseas. There was a great example in New York where they've actually moved completely to e-records. And they did it very, very quickly because all of the powers that be came together. So whether it was local pharmacies, groups, distribution chains, wholesalers, government, corporate, everyone worked together to make it happen. And it's really a good recipe of, I think, what we need to be transitioning to here is so many opportunities open up once we can dispose of that paper script, particularly in efficiency but also in rural and remote areas where it's very, very difficult for patients to get a paper prescription from a doctor and you've got remote pharmacy services looking after them, which really leads into our fantastic quality care pharmacy of the year winner from the Kimberley Pharmacy Services in WA. And we often think that our communities are quite unique and closed and so forth. And, you know, it might only extend, you know, 10, 25 Ks around us if we're lucky, Uh, but they were servicing 29 different communities, which is quite remarkable, and uh, they do a great job at it and I love hearing these stories. I think there was outback pharmacy at Broken Hill last year, and it 's just amazing what obviously technology can help them with, but obviously what they can achieve uh, in such a great area and obviously so many Australians depend on them absolutely fantastic. We also had our first APP transformation meetup yesterday, and uh, g'day Mick, g'day Bishoy. It was fantastic to catch up with both of you yesterday, and uh, you know we had a couple of beers and really uh, dissected where technologies can really take our country and pharmacy moving forward. And uh, funnily enough, um, Mick reminded me that uh, there was a Domino's conference uh, going on at the same time, and I think I'm averaging about one Dominoes episode mentioned per episode and uh, this episode will be no exception of course and uh, yeah I'm going to actually look to hunt down Don May if I can and uh, hopefully make him one of our guests of the show because I'm just such a big fan of what they do in creating a technology company that just happens to sell pizza, and also what they're doing with social enterprise as well, where they've created a fantastic concept that I may have shared with a number of you, if you're at APP already, uh, which is how they're actually enabling people to create their own pizza and actually sell it through social media and earn a commission back. Now, I don't think that really directly applies to pharmacy, but it really just highlights the power of social media as well. And on social media, Paul gave me a great shout out as being one of the influencers on social media. So thank you, Paul. I really appreciate that fantastic stuff. But before we get into our big announcements, I appreciate that not everyone can come to APP and by having the transformation meet up, I hope to see as many of you, but some of you are unable to be here. So what I'd like to do in the next couple of weeks, as per a request of one of our keen listeners, is organise a Google Hangout or something similar where we can catch up virtually and uh, shoot the breeze about the last 12 months of transformation. So I'll feed all of that information through our weekly email. It probably won't come out today with the podcast. It'll be next week. But just to enable as many of you to join in as possible without leaving it to too short notice. And now for our big announcements. Drum roll, please. Okay, are you ready? Announcement one. Everyone who's attended APP, and this may give you a reason to jump in the car and get up to APP, if you can do it, is that inside your delegate bag is a limited edition copy of Transformation, a single only, limited edition, never to be repeated, and it's courtesy of our long-term partners in DACE Innovations. And with Dace Innovations, if you visit them at Stand Number 60, you might find me there and you can get the book signed as well. But they're launching a game-changing product, which is top secret, but you need to attend Stand 60 to find out. Now, when you get your limited edition book, there's some limited edition bonuses. Over 12 hours and $800 worth of value. I can't tell you any more about that because that's top secret as well. So get along to APP if you aren't already and let's have a chat and enjoy your bonuses. Announcement number two. So if you just heard that and gone, I wish I was at APP, but I can't, and I wish I could get a limited edition bonus. Well, you might be happier with this second announcement. The second one is the launch of the Transformation magazine. That's right, a magazine. Now, the reason I put this together is a number of listeners and pharmacy owners I've spoken to in the last 12 months have said to me that they would like to get something that they could read. They see an episode come out every week, but they'd love something that brings it all together. And so this is what the Transformation magazine does. It brings together all the best of a summary, insightful, actionable article, but also the multimedia content of a podcast and also video content to support that as well. There's going to be a real game-changing product launched in the magazine as well. And you'll also find out why there has never been a better time for you as a motivated pharmacy owner to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business. We'll go through quarterly insights, so the magazine will be every quarter, and it will cover the nine key business units that we talk about a lot with the Pharmacy Freedom Index of my money, my pharmacy, my team, my patients, innovation, my partners, IT systems, mobility, and automation. And you'll be surprised that the majority of the contributors to the magazine are pharmacy owners as well. So you'll be able to hear from what some of the best pharmacy owners around the country are doing in these nine key areas and what they're doing really, really well. And supported by those 12 hours of interviews, some how-to videos and other media content as well, which is most importantly accessible on every device. I know you're going to love that. So head across to transformationmagazine.com.au. I'll put the link in the show notes for this episode as well. And you can read, learn, and subscribe for free Plus, as a bonus for getting started in the first month, you'll get a bonus transformation starter pack valued at over $400. So I know you're going to love that. I'm sorry I couldn't provide the bonuses for the people that are coming to APP and getting a limited edition. But I've done my best to try and make sure that you get something great from the magazine if you aren't coming to APP. And of course, if you're doing both, then you've got some great value there as well. Now, I did promise that I wasn't going to reflect much, and I won't. So if you'd love to know my reflection of the last 12 months, go to episode 52, robertstar.com forward slash episode 52. But what this episode's going to cover is that you might remember all the way back to the first episode of Transformation where we actually went through the first chapter of the Transformation book of why there has never been a better time for a pharmacy owner like you to embrace technology and build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. And what we've done in the subsequent 12 months is we've been able to flesh out that four-step method of transformation and deliver, hopefully, an entertaining and educational discussion that you could be having with any of these technology partners or colleagues at any one stage. So hopefully that's what you've been seeing throughout the 12 months. I'd love to hear from as many of you as possible. And if you have time, just leave me a one-minute iTunes review. I'd really love that but I've tried to give you some educational value around those nine critical areas that we've spoken about. And so that's where we're going to focus our attention today in fleshing out the best of the transformation show in our first year. So you'll notice that the majority of the insights also today will be coming from your colleagues as well. So it's not just technology partners who have never run a pharmacy in their lives, but these are pharmacy owners that are kicking some great goals in their pharmacies right at the moment. So let's get started. So our first section is my money or finance. And it's brought to you today by Peter Sackerson, the Director of Pharmacy Services at RSM Bird Cameron from our chat in episode 45, where we talked about what are the top three KPIs you should be monitoring in 2015. If you're after some more my money goodness, you can head across to episode 44 and 35 from Amanda Fisher from A Connected Accountant's and Mark Lehman from SASU, and you can get some great insights as well from that. But we kick off with how you can save money and increase
2: the availability of pharmacists. Uh, look, in terms of um, uh, money, I think owners can look at what are their costs of the, of the manual processes and, and interactions that they have now, and can, can their advisor... Uh, provide a solution which combines all of those activities, uh, perhaps at a lesser rate. Uh, alternatively, for the same for the same investment, can you get more for your money? Yeah. Because there's now more data available, more quickly, and and can you perhaps have more interactions, more advice? Um, secondly, with that, uh, what because there's more data that we can grab what else can be fed back to the owner in terms of uh, uh, indications on business performance and, and you know, retail performance and those sorts of things. Um, in terms of time, um, there's a lot of talk now around services in pharmacy. There's a lot of talk now around um, uh, having the pharmacist out front and dealing more with the customers. Uh, does, can, can the use of these technologies contribute to that availability of time? Uh, can it can it take, if you need less people to do the manual data processing, can you put on more appropriate people who can then engage with the customers instead? Yeah. Um, so there, there, there's some some things that the owners can think about. I mean, because they, perhaps in some of that discussion is there is, well, how can I perhaps afford to put on more pharmacist time? Because that's what I'm being asked to do. And or when you look around at these change in manual processes, maybe there's 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 other time that gets freed up which you can replace with pharmacist pharmacist's time for example
0: yeah, and I think and I think that's the major consideration for any of our owners that are listening that may be, you know, single pharmacist operator businesses where they're just wearing every single hat under the sun and that may include doing the data entry for the accounting system, doing the roster, doing the payroll. And, you know, there are, as we've been talking about on the show, a number of systems that can help you leverage your best processes so that you spend more time and donate that time back into becoming more patient centred and really becoming a better listener and a better problem solver um, which you know we always talk about as the the major strategic advantage i think pharmacists have right now Um, and i guess the other thing in terms of understanding the information and that collaborative relationship that we've spoken about um, how how is that translated or i guess put into into a a dashboard for lack of a better word for pharmacists so that they can answer that age-old question that I'm sure would have been fired at you many times over the years. Of am I okay? How am I going?
2: I think um, certainly we we focus now with our clients, Robert, on on getting in front of owners' uh, KPIs and, and relevant data that, that gives them that gives them gives them an indication of an answer to that question of how am I going? Yeah, uh, you know, you, you don't need uh, a full profit and loss statement and a balance sheet to to know how you're going. Um, uh, at, at, a, at a reasonably low level. I um, mean, if you're know, you following your customer count and your script count, are if you're, if you're knowing, seeing your average sale climb, if you're seeing your items per customer climb, uh, there's, there's a number of KPIs that you can get in front of yourself uh, quite quickly. Uh, and certainly uh, having them uh, placed there uh, in a, in a dashboard-type uh, environment uh, is certainly certainly can be beneficial.
0: Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And if you had to pick your top three as to, you know, which ones would, you know, be the best indicators that, you know, if if, if we've got listeners that are, I guess, starting to look at these relationships, you know, either independently or on their own, what, what would be those three things that you'd be looking at? That's
2: a, a question without notice, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> um, my, my top three, I think, look... Uh, I say that I've said many times that you know if your customer numbers aren't improving you're just doing everything wrong yeah um, so I would have to say that customer numbers would have to be there yeah uh, secondly um, pharmacists are asked to do a lot of things in their business now to, to change their model and so where what's the measure um, that um, captures all of those things so what's the measure that captures your rate of generic substitution. What's the measure that captures your um, uh, level of the, the amount of professional services that you provide your customers? And what's the level that captures you know how well you're retailing? And I I have come to the measure of uh, gross profit dollars per customer yeah. uh, because that that is where that's the business end, if you like. That's everything you do, whether it's providing a service for a fee. Uh, using generics and getting uh, better, a stronger GP and retailing better and, um, and getting more in the basket, at the end of the day, if you're increasing your gross profit dollars per customer, uh, then that tells me that you're doing some or all of those things um, reasonably well. So I suppose um, there's uh, number two, if you like. Mm. Um, I, I'd probably then, for number three, if, if I'm limited to three, I'd go... Uh, away from that end of the business to the other end and that is um how's my balance sheet looking and am i uh, able to uh, keep my head above water and i know the banks use traditionally an interest cover measure which is uh, profit before interest divided by your interest um, and they put covenants on uh, borrowers borrowers a covenant of two two times yeah so that your that is your profit should be twice the size of your interest bill um, you know, I'd like to see owners running at sort of three and a half to four times to make sure there's lots of headroom. Yeah. So if you like, if I was limited to three, I'd go with customer numbers, gross profit dollars per customer, and interest cover. So section two is my
0: pharmacy or operations. And it's brought to you today by Peter Ferros and the managing partner, Cedric Josgatlian, a synchotic chemist in Blacktown, and also Peter's part of a business called Efficient Dispensary Designs. And we caught up in episode 31. And what we discovered was how you can start your journey towards a higher dispensary efficiency. Special mention in this segment to Adrian Cosman-Jones, where we talked about Google Apps for Work, and Ian Bennett from Pharmacy for You, where we're talking about how you can get started in getting the digital brought into the physical store. And I start by asking Peter about what would be the starting point he would recommend to begin to improve our dispensary efficiency, which is of course increasing importance as our profit per prescription decreases. I guess to to take our uh, our listeners on a journey, and I guess everyone's all at a different level. You know, some may have very small compact dispensaries with a typical pharmacy dispensing system, and also shelving systems as well. But um, Peter, I thought I might start with you with that one. Is that you know where would be the great greatest place to start for a pharmacy owner to really start to assess? You know, it's not just a case of showing up to APP and buying a robot and dumping it in. There's some great workflows and processes that I know that you've spent a lot of time in your career on. Um, so where would be, I think, the best starting point for our owners?
3: Um, they've got to, it depends upon the size of the pharmacy, of what systems you need to do. Um, first of all, it is getting the workflow right of handing in a prescription. And for small pharmacies, that should go straight from the patient to the tech Um, where if you have a counter in front of the dispensary you're doing a two-step work process of getting it to the to the technician. Uh, The keying into the data is about 38 seconds and therefore you've got to get electronic prescriptions going. All these comments are made in the in the background of the pbs cuts and we're going to be paid less for doing our work so therefore we need to eliminate workflow so the thing is the keying in then you get your product selection times so how you store your medications you should have your high volume items close to your assembly point and the low volume items separate so when we had synchitis at blacktown we put a and got a franchise into an independent pharmacy uh, nine years ago. Uh, by having a more competitive office on front of shop, we then had more patients come in. So initially we didn't change the dispensary workflows because they are uh, effective for that level of turnover. The Prescription volumes went up, so we put in stock flow, like sloping shells so you had automatic date rotation of stock and you had backfilling so it was easy to fill the shells so you can reduce your uh, stock selection times from uh, eight to ten seconds to two or three seconds you then put all your uh, slow volume items in a rhombic a sloping drawer system again so you get automatic date rotation that worked OK when we were across the road in Blacktown, but the prescription volumes kept on going up and we got uh, as we had to add more people to the dispensary, we got, a, we got a great deal of congestion, Robert. Yeah, with people getting one another's road. That's when we put the robot, the Robo Farmer into uh, 106 Main Street, Blacktown. And it was up on a landing level behind the dispensary. With the robot, you can uh, use conveyors to bring it, so you're not using space in the dispensary. You can put it away from there. Um, And that worked very well. And then we moved across the road and the medical centre was established behind us and we had to put in a bigger robot farmer and we've got that downstairs and there wasn't a lot of space on the second level in the new shop to have all the technology up there. So uh, it's downstairs and we use conveyors to bring it up to the upper level and that's removed. So the automation can get you with the RoboFarmer because it's a uh, channel system like a vending machine where you put press the button and the coke drops down. The RoboFarmer doesn't have an arm. It has channels and it delivers three products a second. So it's very, very quick. Those products come to you uh, from downstairs and we can then dispense upstairs with that and that's removed a lot of the congestion out of the dispensary.
0: So our third section is my team or people. And we caught up today with Michael Hazilius, the CEO of HRM Web, in episode 28 for a great chat. And we spoke about how do we improve our efficiency when managing our team performance and productivity. And also a special mention to Michael Robertson from the Pharmacy Guild of SA, where we spoke extensively about managed and integrated payroll. And Michael starts by listing the biggest problems he and his team are seeing in Australian pharmacies when
4: managing their teams? I guess there's probably, look, there's a few key problems I think we see or or challenges that we see in pharmacy. Uh, A definite one is a a lack of efficiency in the way that they manage their staff. And look, I suppose it's largely because of inefficient operating procedures, uh, particularly things like availability management, um, rostering, timesheets, payroll processing. And I mean, look, we still come across businesses using paper to manage availability and rostering employees and timesheets and the like, so they are pretty inefficient uh, at times. Um, another one would be, uh, look, another, one that we see that's common is, uh, I suppose the lack of, um, ph- some pharmacists actually embracing the fact that they are retailers and there are a lot of principles that go along with with retail in terms of effective staff management. Um, you know, ensuring you have adequate staffing levels during the day so you can effectively convert sales is a, is a pretty key one. Um, managing budgets, uh, reviewing labor costs against what was planned as well, and seeing what those variances are, um, relating cost to revenue. You know, labor as a percentage of sales is a key KPI for that. And then looking at things like the trends during the year as well. You know, so coming up to Christmas, you might need more staff or things like that.
0: Mm, no, um, absolutely.
4: Yes. Yep. Um, look, a, cu- a couple others that just come to mind while it's fresh, mate. So, look, one, one that we see as well is a bit of difficulty tackling the pharmacy award, too. And look, we're not surprised about this one because, you know, Australia's pay conditions are very complicated and, and the pharmacy award's no different. So, but look, if you can't effectively manage that, that leads to payroll inefficiencies. Uh, overpayments is a common one that we're tackling. Some some of our pharmacies have been ordered by Fair Work, and look, with, with our solutions that passed and the previous, previously they haven't. Um, and picking up, um, you know, we constantly pick up overpayments, mate, you'd be surprised. There was one the other day where uh, a client was actually paying the penalty rates on top of the loaded casual rate. Um, and that was actually costing, you know, costing thousands of dollars a year. But look, lastly, mate, the key one, though, is just the lack of technology. And this is why I think what you're doing is great is, is you know, if they're not using technology in the business, it is very hard to improve any of this stuff.
0: Yeah, no, look, absolutely, Michael, and you know what we what we focus on is, I believe that there are three key areas that I think pharmacies need to be embracing if they are going to be successful, and you've hit the nail on two heads: the smart use of technology becoming operationally efficient and obviously being able to then use both of those elements to leverage yourself into that patient-centric business model, which is why I believe pharmacy owners are in existence because that's where your customers actually want you to be in front of them and spending time. I, I guess the biggest challenge that we've we've focused on with with our pharmacy owners in our um i guess 27 episodes so far is really trying to educate them on the on the on the basis of how they can actually help themselves and embrace the technology and what you've spoken about there there's just so many elements um that um i guess pharmacy owners could be looking at in terms of becoming i guess more operationally efficient and getting their processes right where where do you see as being the best starting point because like as you say we're going to have listeners today who are going to be potentially paper based some may be in an intermediary they may have their rosters on spreadsheets um, and they there may be a hybrid of the both so where would you see is the best starting point to start
4: to get the foundations right yeah look it's a it's it's a good question mate look i think in terms of the foundations i mean what really underpins what we do um, we, we, within our business is uh, and helping businesses better manage staff, obviously more efficient. It's really that you I think you mentioned it um, previously in our chat, but business process optimization is really the key of it. and it's a, it's a pretty technical term. But I guess you can break that down into three areas, and it's about uh, I suppose the first is reviewing how you do things now. So just because you've done things the way you have doesn't mean it's right. So looking at each of your each of your procedures. Um, actually defining those, so putting them down, just think a big checklist, 1 to 20. This is how I go through this, this procedure. Then looking at uh, evaluating that. Are there elements you can redefine? Can you simplify it? Can you cut steps out? And that's really the streamlining step. But look, the last one is definitely automate, and the automate comes from technology. Um, look, I mean, these days, you know, I think cloud software is, is pretty common. You know, if you can use a web browser and you can browse the web, there are a lot of soft uh, solutions out there that, you know, allow you to, to quickly start doing things and I think uh, we've really focused on that when building our product Easy Employer and in trying to make it as easy to use as possible as intuitive as possible it's very visual um, but look at, at the end of the day you, uh, I think they really do need to jump in and start to have a play with some of these up products that are out there um, you know to, to make that leap So with operational efficiency done and dusted we move
0: on to a patient centric business model and that kicks off with my patients. And we caught up with Adam Posner, the CEO of Directivity in episode 30 for a great chat. And we spoke about how we, how can we understand our patients better to deliver them a more remarkable experience in store and out of store. And of course we had some great special mentions which I could go on forever because we simply had, we were spoiled for choice of our episode guests in this category. Ivan Frangie, episode 42, Tim Reid in episode 34, John Hollenberg in episode 37, and Ashley Faulting as well from Health Enterprises. But I started by asking Adam, where is the best place to start when trying to understand our patients better through analysing our data? Capturing a database, I think, is just so important. And um, you know, you mentioned obviously from your early beginnings that that's really where it started to begin because businesses had to be starting to do something with that data. Um, and and I guess for, for pharmacy owners, are sitting there on, on on the end of the on the end of our, their headphones at the moment. Um, where would be like the best place to start? Like they might be thinking, look, a loyalty card system is probably not maybe not relevant for them at the moment, even though it probably is, Um, but if they wanted to just start capturing just a basic database, um, what would be, I guess, your best advice
5: to them? Well, I would actually step back a second and say, well, why do they want to do that? They first really, because jumping, this is to me, when you get into asking customers for information and then you say to yourself, oh, well, maybe I'll just send them a newsletter once a month. For what purpose? Yeah. So I always come back to think of the strategy, is it to drive more sales into your business? Is it to get to know your, your customers better, like who buys what, how often? Or, or really is it another form of your marketing? Is it, a, is it going to replace your catalogues? So there's a whole range of reasons why do you want to start capturing information? Um, because when you start, you're, you're getting into something that's as big as opening your doors every day. So you open your doors every day and you put stock on the shelf and you serve and you look after your patients. Asking for information should be seen as critical to your business as all those other elements are. So I would really advise to step back and think about why are you doing it? Um, and, and I've developed a very simple um, infographic, which your, your listeners are welcome to download. And it's free, free, it's free there. It's a nine-step uh, framework, which I have at uh, our website, theloyaltypoint.com.au, yep. which actually looks at the nine steps to a valuable loyalty program. And I give that out to all my clients. It's like a, it's a one-pager. It's a beautiful way of saying, this is the strategy. This is why we're doing it. This is who it's for. These are the, the potential, um, this is how we'd like to structure it. What's the technology that's going to drive it? Why are we going to communicate? How often are we going to communicate? So getting into loyalty is as big as opening your doors every day and is important to your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for our listeners, I'll I'll grab that from Adam, and I'll include a link in our show notes for that, so you can uh, get hold of it if you just missed that um, m- that address. Um, and and certainly, Adam as well. Like I think a lot of our pharmacy owners have just viewed marketing as just something you have to do. Um, it's something that other pharmacies do, so therefore, it's something they have to do. And quite often, we see, like you say, newsletters that just get generated um, for the sake of. Creating one, um, but I, I, I 100% agree with you. It's really isolating that purpose of why you're doing it, and you know I've always been of that believer that you know you're marketing to your customers and your patients that you can't physically talk to one to one, and if and if they don't recognise that that's important, and you know certainly particularly in our environment at the moment where there is a little bit of instability about what may happen to location rules, it's so important not to just assume. That your customers are going to come in through your doors just because you're the closest located to them, um, and you really need to be communicating to them a lot, a lot better than probably what we are now.
5: I think the greatest philosophy that I could share with your listeners is that is are these four words. Uh, you know, that customer retention, keeping your current customers, is your customer acquisition. Mm. And what I mean by that, if you love and look after those who are already coming to you. They become your customers who they either tell others or they continuously be your customer. So if you have that philosophy and you continuously understand that, you know, looking after and loving those you have, never mind the patient care that you absolutely do because that's your livelihood and that's exactly what, what, why you exist. But there's so much competition. There's so much price uh, sensitivity out there. You've got to try and find other ways to connect with those customers. And that's through, you know, a loyalty program is is potentially the mechanism, but it's not the answer. It's the mechanism to communicate, to give them content that's relevant to them, to talk to mums who have got issues around, you know, looking after their kids' health versus different to talking to, you know, elderly people who have a whole range of different issues. So it's about, you know, that's the power of a loyalty program um, in terms of your marketing.
0: In section five, we were spoiled by innovation. And it's brought to us today by Cathy Reid, the managing partner at Epic Pharmacy, which we caught up for a great chat in both episode 11 and 48. But this comes for us from episode 48, so only a few weeks ago. And we spoke about how to expand your pharmacy services via telehealth and special mentions to Morris Misalowski, business futurist extraordinaire. We caught up in episode 52, Coz Sklavos, George Tambasas and Jared Stevens, certainly no shortage of pedigree amongst those. And I started by asking Kathy, what can we learn from Dr. Phil and Doctor On Demand over in the US? One of the ones you did reference was Doctor on Demand in the uh, in the US. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about how that works? I know it's got a very high profile uh, founder in Dr. Phil, uh, but why is that seeing so much traction over over there?
1: Look, I think Doctor on Demand is a really interesting story because it's actually it's actually illustrating that it's meeting a need of patients. So the basic premise is you download the app to either your iPhone or your Android device. You set up a basic account, which is um, includes credit card details to pay for the consultation and a basic medical history that you outline. And then you basically just push the button to say you, you wish to see a doctor. It's a $40 fee for a 15-minute consultation. And on average, you're connected to a GP within uh, within two minutes. So it's really opening up that access to a doctor wherever you are located geographically. And I think there's, there's two great applications here one being that you don't actually have to leave your home if you're feeling sick you know if you if you've got a head cold and you're feeling revolting and you don't actually want to get out of your pajamas and get in the car and drive to the doctor and be sitting there being coughing and sneezing over everybody else. You can actually have the consultation with your GP with the American system and the way that it works. The doctors can prescribe and have that prescription sent to the pharmacy. Um, they can do referrals. I think, that, I think they were saying they can treat 17 out of the 20 most common reasons for a GP visit. But I mean obviously there are some things that still require a physical examination and, and they those aren't there. Any conditions that require the treatment of any narcotics or or drugs of dependency they won't prescribe those over the phone but you know your basic coughs and colds your repeat prescription requirements um, there's a lot of things that can be really easily treated that way and it's very it's very easy and convenient for the patients and it's it's taking off like a rocket
0: Mm. and obviously being downloadable via a smartphone application it can be done anywhere anytime yeah and, well, I guess we've seen, I guess, maybe the precursors of what we've seen in Australian pharmacies have been the doctor via Skype and so forth, but that's really been an in-pharmacy Skype doctor consultation. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's a fair way to go before we start seeing that over here.
1: Look, I, I'm not sure. I think it's interesting to see how um, how quickly this space is moving. And there's, I think the thing that's really flipping some of the the way things have been done previously quite quickly is is patient-driven demand. And if there becomes this grounds, if somebody does launch a product like that in Australia and there's enough patients who actually want to utilise it, I mean, I don't know that we're going to be in a position where we see Medicare rebates or anything like that for mm-hmm. that type of consultation anywhere in the near future. But there's plenty of people who place enough value on their time that, you know, if they if they need to go to the doctor to get, you know, a repeat for a long-standing medication. You know, one of one of my colleagues actually said the other day, you know, I have to go to the GP every year to get a repeat for my son's EpiPen prescription, and you know, nothing changes with his nut allergy. There's no issue that he actually requires a physical consultation in that time. And she said, I'd happily pay forty bucks to do a fifteen-minute GP consult online via an app that means that I don't have to make a time potentially take my kid out of school to take him to the doctor to see the doctor to get this prescription on a 12-month basis so I think I think we may see a user pays scenario here and if if there's enough patients who are actually looking for that kind of service.
0: Mm. And I guess maybe even the do- adoption rate over in the US had something to do with the health funds um, paying for a lot of those consultations or, well, or at least co-paying for them.
1: Well, interestingly, that's, that's come about because of patient demand. Mm. It, was a, it was a non-reimbursable fee originally, and then the number of patients that were using it and then campaigning to their, to their health insurer to say, why, why can't I be reimbursed for this in the same way that I am for a physical visit? And that's what's actually brought the funds to the table.
0: Yeah, well, look, obviously patient demand, I think, drives everything. And, uh, you know, obviously there was a massive backlash here only recently around, you know, almost the close abolition of bulk billing with the Mm. uh, GP co-payment. And that's been flipped back on its head. But I dare say if that hadn't been flipped on its head, it probably would have opened the door for, you know, a large demand for this type of service.
1: Yeah, I think it certainly had the potential to accelerate it significantly.
0: Yeah. And I guess doctor on demand, what about pharmacy on demand? Is that something that, you know, obviously there's a lot of patients that sometimes find it very hard to get to us in our pharmacies and particularly rural and remote centres. And obviously in in your businesses, you've got some very specialised cases. So have you found a way to integrate that into Epic Pharmacy?
1: We sure have. We actually have a project underway at the moment where we're introducing telehealth consultations in a pilot program for patients who've been diagnosed Diagnosed with cancer and want to be able to have um, consultations with their oncology pharmacist around what their ramifications of their chemotherapy treatment are, what it's going to mean. You know, you getting getting a cancer diagnosis is an incredibly stressful time, and one of the things that happens is cancer treatment tends to happen in specialised centres, and patients very rarely live in the immediate vicinity of those centers they have to actually travel to get there and so they've come in they've seen their, they've seen their specialist they've got the news that they've had cancer they've been told what their what their treatment regime's going to be and it's very, very common, and, and I know in my own family's circumstance when my, when my father was diagnosed with cancer, getting that diagnosis is, is equivalent to you know being hit by a bus. Mm-hmm. It's a very big shock, and you don't take a lot of information in once you hear those words. So you get given all of this information, and then you go home and you actually start to try and remember what you had. and And I think chemotherapy is a is a very emotive thing for patients. They they are concerned you know am i going to get sick am i going to lose my hair all of those you know traditional aspects to chemotherapy that that now don't apply to every to every person with advances in treatment and there's a there's a lot of ways to manage this, the side effects and the negative aspects of it, uh, if in fact you're even on a regime that's going to see you suffer from any of those. But you're not always thinking clearly enough at the time to both ask the questions that you want to ask and then retain the information that you're given. So we think the option for patients to actually be able to then book a telehealth consult with their oncology pharmacist to talk through those questions once they're through that initial shock, or and even during the course of their treatment after they've had their treatment and gone home if they're experiencing something that they' that they're concerned about as a side effect or they're wanting to know are they managing this well is there a better way that they could be doing it for them and their family to be able to have face to face access with that specialist oncology pharmacist is something that that we think and certainly the the initial patient um, response to being asked as to whether they'd be interested in that survey has been very positive so we're really looking forward to getting that up and running in this first quarter of this year and uh, you we'll certainly be uh, we'll be reporting back on how that goes
0: so section 6 My partners, which can include suppliers of products and services and also your healthcare community partners. I caught up with a fantastic pharmacy owner, John Tawadras, the managing partner at Think Pharmacy Kippering, In episode 46 and he had a remarkable story of how he's been able to grow his dose administration aid business by 300% and I believe that's grown since we've spoken in one square meter and we covered how you can increase your DAA service capacity without increasing costs Special mentions to Luke Fitzgerald from MPS Australia in episode 33. Jonathan Layton in episode 39. And we spoke about SpotCheck and also the e-commerce behind ChemMart. And also Heath Tully in episode 40 where we spoke about the great engine behind Sigma brands of Amcal and Guardian. But I started by asking John, despite his success... What could he have done differently if he had to climb that big mountain again? We we're going to focus a lot of our discussion around DAAs. Um, yeah. So we'll come, we'll come back to that. But with, um, with that, and, and again, a lot of our listeners would have seen how... Um, how that can work with quite a number of people in the pharmacy. Obviously you came into that business and it was already uh, working with MPS. So you didn't have a lot of change managements in the workflow, but what could you tell our listeners were the biggest things that you noticed in increasing your capacity? You just mentioned that you tripled your capacity in uh, you know that 14 month period. Um, yeah. So what were the biggest challenges that you had during that period? And is uh, there anything that you would perhaps do differently um, um, if you had your time again,
6: well, uh, funny you should say that because the, one of the two personnel that decided that um, being uh, alongside us here isn't isn't going to be working for them was my um, the pharmacist that was doing MPS, um, uh, and uh, she was looking after the 120 patients, uh, so we had to find somebody who was. Um, uh, who's reasonably onto it uh, and uh, willing to learn uh, and the funny thing is is that w- we actually took um well w- we took somebody from a uh, from another thing pharmacy who was uh, finding it difficult because of the working hours and um her her kids having, you know, she, she's a single mother with, with, uh, who's time time strapped pretty much. And uh, she was really looking forward to growing and, uh, uh, and making sure that she's, she's doing everything that she can. Um, uh, and uh, she knew nothing about NPS. She uh, hardly dispensed the script before. Uh, and uh, luckily, with with the training that MPS provided, um, uh, she took about two weeks to get the ropes of what needs to be done. Um, obviously, again, there's always teething problems and uh, there's always problems at the very beginning until somebody's on their feet. Um, and uh, she took that on board and uh, she flourished. She flourished quite well. Uh, it was the fact that um, some somebody who wanted to take ownership of something and really make it their own and, uh, and really help it to grow and uh, not just only that, she felt that it was her duty to look after the people that she was looking after. Obviously, she was working closely with a pharmacist, everything is getting checked, all the legalities are being ticked, um, but it was uh, enormously helpful that somebody who actually wanted to go into something and there's, uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of people in the uh, uh, that are looking for jobs at this point in time mm. that w- that would love to have something that they can actually call their own and actually go in there with all guns blazing um, when she did take it on board and when she, uh, she got on her feet um, uh, I would have loved to have her away uh, to go to uh, uh, to MPS to actually learn every little technique and every little thing about this software, uh, and to actually see how it's all being made and done. That way, she could actually gra- grasp the whole thing. But uh, it actually ended up happening uh, a few a few months ago, anyways. Um, but yeah, so in terms of uh, in terms of learning, there, there was a lot to learn, especially that we were pretty much starting brand new in that part of, of the business. That It was a brand new person, n- never touched MPS, um, and we had a brand new business plan. And it, what we would have done slightly differently is that we would have made uh, the plan very clear from the beginning of... How we're going to grow, how we're going to consolidate, how we're going to review, and then do the exact same process uh, on a on a quarterly basis and review on a quarterly basis. We were lucky enough that with all the changes that we did within the pharmacy, uh, people started getting very comfortable with the with the people that are here, with the with all the the, um, uh, the staff members here, and they started listening. to the the
0: things that we had to offer. So section seven, which is the beginning of our third key pillar of how to scale and grow by utilizing smart technology. And it starts with IT systems. And today it's brought to us by Georgia Land, the national manager of Chemist POS Direct. And George incidentally did his PhD studying technology use in pharmacy. And we caught up for a great chat in episode 27. And we covered how you can leverage the latest and smartest technology in your pharmacy. Special mentions go to Paul Naismith, the CEO of the Fred IT Group, and Andrew Hall from Minfos. I really want to include George's because it's not often that anyone does a PhD on the technology in pharmacy. And I started by asking George what in the long history and experience of technology implementation of Chemist POS and from his research has been the best example of technology use in a pharmacy to date. In your long history at Chemispos, you know, what do you reckon was the the biggest change that you saw in a pharmacy that took up technology and you know, how did you see that revolutionise their business?
7: Um, I'll give you actually the example is a product that we've um, that we brought out to the industry uh, last year, which was a uh, one of the hp uh, tablets with a built-in scanner um we've uh we've we got that we got approached by um, hp to uh try and market that product and from the first look at it i thought it would be something that's going to work so we took on we took that product we uh, we gave it as a, it gave a demo unit to a few pharmacies to try out and um, they never look back. Uh, that product has changed their workflow, the way they go about doing things. So pretty much they have a mobile version of their uh, point of sale and their dispense program. Um, they're walking around the shop, doing their stock takes, going back to the back office, doing whatever they like, dispensing scripts, uh, doing meds check from one single device. Hmm. And um, I've seen, uh, as my, uh, I know there is a group pharmacies in Australia now, there are about 200 and something of them that are looking at putting that tablet in. Yeah. That's because of the mobility it provides um, to their staff so, um, you know, there's no walking back and forth anymore, everything can just be done in the spot.
0: Yeah, no, look, absolutely, and certainly Microsoft are now banding around that they've got, a, I guess, a version of Surface now that can replace laptops and computers, and I imagine that's probably something quite similar for HP, but uh, has it managed to solve the issues that we were seeing with, uh, what was it, was it Windows 9, or <laughs> was it? That- Windows, Windows 8. Windows 8,
7: yeah. Yeah, well, see, the good thing about the HP tablet, which is different than all the others, is that it has a built-in barcode scanner. Yeah. Um, all the other tablets on the market, well, I'm using a Surface Pro 3 at the moment, talking to you. Yep. Uh, so this one, if I want to use a uh, barcode scanner, i have got to have to attach to attach one to it. Yep. Um, so it doesn't make it as a attractive solution as the HP tablet. Um, and also the the other thing that I've noticed in the last probably year or so is uh, a lot of pharmacy owners have uh, been managing their pharmacies remotely. Yeah. Uh, they're getting remote access to their uh, pharmacy to do all the reporting, and uh, this has been a request that's been happening with every single job that we're doing. We've been asked to set up that remote access uh, for all the pharmacy owners to do print their reports and generate whatever information they love from their system. Yeah. Which didn't didn't used to happen, you know, two or three years ago.
0: Yeah. And are they are they are they generally doing that through you know I guess something that we spoke about probably a few episodes back um by something like log me in or is it something a little more sophisticated these days
7: no it's uh, it's another version of uh, the windows remote desktop okay. um, there are a couple there are a couple of applications out there that uh, that can be used uh it does require a little bit of uh, configuring uh, it's not very straightforward, but once it's configured it gives you all the ability to. Do um, uh, print your reporting reports locally to your you know to your home or wherever you are. Uh, gives you full access to your uh, similar to log me into your computer, manage all your applications, uh, but it's faster. That's yeah. probably the main advantage.
0: Because I guess, you know, there's been varying degrees that I've seen where people have gone to the, I guess, the trouble of setting up a VPN or a virtual private network, which gives you a much faster speed in communicating with with your pharmacy as if that computer was already attached to the local network. So is it something quite similar
7: to that? It's very similar to VPN, um, and the advantage it has over LogMeIn, especially like the, the free versions of those programs, that it does encrypt your data while, while it's being transferred between your pharmacy and your local computer. Yeah. So, uh, with, uh, so if it's intercepted, no one can actually de- uh, decode that information and, and translate it to something that's readable um but while log me in there's a good chance if using the free version that someone could just intercept that information and just use it for something
0: yeah yeah Now look obviously that's got to be taken taken into account as you mentioned with the privacy legislation so um and and also george with the um the built-in scanners into the hp tablets can any dispense or point of sale system run on that
7: yeah, we've got uh, customers at the moment running it with, uh, they're running Minfos, uh they're running FRED, and they're running uh, LOTS at the moment. Um, and um, they haven't reported any issues uh, with it so far.
0: Yep, and comparative in terms of the, a, a desktop computer
7: price, um, what are you looking at for one of those? Uh, for the, the complete solution is called the MX10, yep. the MX10 retail solution uh you're looking it's about two and a half grand for the solution uh including the tablet the scanner and a docking station if you ever want to connect any printers to it yeah um which is you know it's it's a bit more expensive than a desktop computer but gives you all the advantages of being mobile
0: well, I suppose that's it. You know, uh, uh, you know, it could. It's potentially replacing, you know, those RF scanners or radio frequency scanners that you know, particularly Fred or Minfos have used to do your stock takes. Uh, that you're actually able to do that with a far more uh, functional device if you're able to access the, uh, the the main interface as opposed to a cut down mobile interface, which uh, gives you limited functionality. Yeah, that,
7: that's correct. Um... Uh, the other thing, the other main advantage of this uh, of this unit is that, let's say at Christmas time when the shop is too busy, you can always put in an a, an extra register in the shop uh, just by turning that that unit on. Yeah. Um, and even in dispensing, if you've got uh, if you know, you've got a build-up of scripts, you can always put it in and dispense your scripts off it as well.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. Look, it's got a lot of flexibility, and I think perhaps in in years gone by, pharmacies may have just had an, an additional terminal set up somewhere. But you can't literally pick that
7: <laughs> pick that terminal up and walk around the shop with it. Which. Uh, yeah. Especially pharmacies in shopping centres where they've got their uh, some kind of a kiosk outside the pharmacy in uh, Christmas time. Yeah. Um. In with this solution, because it runs on wireless, you don't have to run anything. You just need to put that unit on the t- on the desk and just start selling.
0: So section eight, mobility. And we were spoilt with this one by a fantastic pharmacy owner and leader of a great group at the you Save Chemist Group, Simon Herford, which we caught up to in episode 22. And we spoke about how you can build your pharmacy's digital strategy and embrace the many benefits of mobile devices and applications. With a special mention to Fabian McCann from SenderScript, episode 41, I believe it was 41, and um, it might be wrong. And uh, I started by asking Simon what steps he would recommend that you take as a pharmacy owner to take before diving headfirst into a mobile and digital pharmacy strategy.
8: With the USAID Chemist brand, we, we started at um, Sydney-based. Northern Beaches is where it started. Uh, we did it in one store. Um, implemented and proved to be very successful and from there we rolled it out to to several others. So we we already had a um, a bricks and mortar uh, footprint really before we we got serious in in the online side of things. So um, we we had a model, we had promotional tools, we, we had you know the, the the stuff that makes a brand successful in a bricks and mortar sense. Yeah. What what we did then was leverage uh, that promotional activity and philosophy, um, and and try and apply that into into the online space. So that as as we sort of mentioned much earlier in the interview that it's opening us up to the markets that we physically wouldn't have otherwise. So we we knew the model was successful, we knew the promotional tools were successful, we're very simply just exposing a much larger um, customer base to to those principles
0: no absolutely and and i guess the, obviously the panacea is trying to obviously make that into a hybrid environment where you could in theory have a customer start your their process and interaction with you online and follow that in store um have you start has has those bridges started to form together
8: yeah, yes, yes, they have. So, I mean, there's probably a couple of different aspects to our to our online presence. Um, I've mostly to present just been talking about the, the website side of things. But yeah. as you alluded to, we, we have a couple of, um, of different uh, mobile applications as well. And they, these ones are far more working at trying to get an integration between your in-store customer and your online customer and basically um, extending the shopping experience of the, the customers. So um, in regard to the apps, like we have uh, one, which is just the, the USAID Chemist app, which is available on, we developed it for both Android and um, iOS or Apple. Um, from, from that application, customers have the ability to do a um, uh, they uh, can shop, so they have full access to the full e-commerce platform, um, and which gives them that mobile convenience to do so. Of course, it's all, also got uh, we we put some unique offers on there to you know to, to ensure those customers do, are are treated specially. Um, what alluding to more what you were saying before. Um, the second app uh, we, we've developed is simply a QR code reader. Um, I'm not sure most of your listeners are probably aware what, that, what they are.
0: Yeah, look, I think, I think often sometimes it's a little bit uh, of, a, of a muddied area because it's not a standard feature on most iPhones. But for those yes. who, who don't, it's quick response codes and essentially just a packaged barcode that sends you in various different places on the web.
8: Yeah, exactly. And and the reason we, we developed that was for that in-store integration. So we, we have a, a raft of different um, uh, uses for it. Um, they start as simply as we will have uh, additional information um, on the front of shop, uh, some products. It could be simply a link to a, a promotional video or it could be further counselling tips on it. or. You know take take your pick it, it's our way of giving the customers more information um if they want to um self-select uh in that regard or, or shop by themselves which some some do and we've got to accept that the second the second main part of it is we we use that technology um to give customers uh take-home counseling and this is more orientated to the dispensary but not exclusive to it so what, what we have is we we have uh, a whole raft of uh, videos that we've done, uh, which involve a pharmacist basically giving uh, key counselling points on um, different different categories. It could be simply, say, a steroid cream or it could be a, a, you know, a Ventolin inhaler or, you know, take your pick, there's a yeah. whole raft of them. And what it means is we give the customers, obviously they get the in-store counselling, but we can send them home with with this little card that has the the, um, QR code on it and means they can recap on the points we've talked to them about in a manner that really hasn't been done by anyone else. Normally they're sent home with a bit of paper. Mm. So, yeah, we're really trying to evolve it and, and make it stand out.
0: Section 9, Lucky Last Automation, and it's brought to us today by Robert Allen, a pharmacy owner and the CEO of Dose Innovations, and we caught up in episode number 9, and we covered a great topic of how to begin your journey of pharmacy automation. Special mentions to a number of pharmacy owners who fantastic stories that they shared with us, Greg Kadoran, And Leon Thomas and Tim Shelton. I know you're going to love those stories if you haven't listened to them already. But I started by asking Robert to describe what a typical journey of embracing pharmacy automation into your pharmacy's workflow looks like and how long it generally takes. Let's just take our pharmacy owners on a bit of a journey. Um, they want to get in, they, they know pharmacy automation's on the cusp of separating their logistics from the clinical side, and and they want to get started on that journey. So what advice would you give them in considering pharmacy automation and their readiness for it? And is there, and, and, and what would they do initially? And you know, how long would you see the process from end to end uh, lasting?
9: Um, th- well, in a perfect world, um, I'll give you the perfect scenario. So, you know, essentially you would, um, you know, identify the fact that you're considering automation. Um, the first step is to consider are you just, uh, are you making any further changes? So is this part of a relocation? Is it part of a, you know, an expansion, a contraction? Um, because I think some of the benefits that you know, we don't realize is with through automation You could potentially reduce your store size not reduce your turnover and save some rent which you know is probably fairly poignant at the moment mm. um, but Yeah, what are you doing with your pharmacy? Uh, are you making major changes or ju- is it just a dispensary change? And it's about engaging um, providers of automation. So th- there's a number of providers and and uh, you know we certainly at dose innovations welcome open dialogue whereby you know we can discuss what it is you're trying to achieve um what I offer you some scenarios uh, as to what the potential is with your store and and that's probably about an 8 week process um if uh if the pharmacist has had no exposure to automation whatsoever mm. so they'll be visiting uh you know stores they'll be looking at uh, different fit outs different ways it's used um, there'll be con- back and forth planning in regards to the, the correct and, and, and layout, the functionality of the machine that you're wanting and, um, and, and uh, basically that's about eight weeks to, to come to the conclusion that yes, I want to invest in, in, in automation and, and, and buying a machine.
0: Okay, no, that's fine. And assuming that they decide in that eight weeks that they want to push forward, um, you know, if they're going to be doing forward planning for the next 12, 24 months, you know, yes. what, what time frame would they see their first uh, box of medicine being dispensed through a robot?
9: Okay, so the lead time for, upon signing and deposit for a rower machine is, um, it's basically 16 weeks. Um, so, and that involves, uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to explain, I guess, the thoroughness of, of the rower technology. So, um, in, in past years, RoA uh, rower used to assemble the machine in full. Um, simulate um, uh, the 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 product working, um, and then disassemble and uh, and dispatch. Now, what they've introduced is further technology where any moving parts are able to run a simulation. You know, similar to you know uh, washing machine companies, etc., where they you know they tell you that it, it's had a year's usage, so to speak. But um, there's an eight-week uh, construction. Um, And and once that happens, then uh, we allow eight weeks for shipping. Um, Generally, shipping will be six to eight weeks, um, but we we prefer to err on the side of caution so that that installation date is locked in because that's imperative that that install happens on that time Um, because often we're working with um, shop fitters and designers and our role is to not inconvenience the pharmacy uh, you know, and to reduce that uh, inconvenience as much as possible.
0: Mm, no, ab- absolutely. And, and look, let, let's just cast a bit further ahead. The pharmacy owner's got the robot in their pharmacy. Um, how, do, how does Dose Innovations ensure that the patients and the pharmacy owners get the maximum benefit from their investment?
9: Okay, so most of, um, I guess, the outcomes are um, already uh, documented prior to the purchase of the robot. Um, uh, generally, we recommend that pharmacists, you know, sort of do a mini business plan in regards to what they're trying to achieve. That they communicate that to their staff. Um, you know, they identify um, key roles, uh, key uh, training requirements if, if if needed, so that you've almost got KPIs and, and a business plan for when the when the automation goes in. Um, we uh, when we install our technology, um, essentially, once the machine is commissioned. Um, you know you're fully operational and, um, and you know all the aspects that need to be delivered from the, our automation um, generally happen. Um, so it's then to the pharmacist and the pharmacy staff to um, uh, essentially we, we run a, an education on the machine uh, once we've installed it. But um, as an over and above, what we tend to do is go back to the pharmacy again in six weeks' time um, and we uh, retrain all the staff in the use and the familiarity of the automation and um, we, we issue certificates for staff members, you know, that, that, that are familiar with the machine. So there's definitely um, an adjustment time. We, we find that's about six weeks. And, um, and that's just bedding in of the fact that I'm not putting stock on the shelves. I'm not retrieving stock from the shelves. And by the way, I, I don't have to put, this, put the stock away. And, uh, you know, about uh, what the pharmacy and the pharmacy staff are doing with the extra time that they have, given the fact that, you know, there's so much more that time that they've got now for their customers. Well, that brings us to the end of our
0: anniversary show. What a big episode it's been. I'd love to know what you took out of it. There may have been some insights that came out that are relevant to your pharmacy and maybe some that aren't. And I'd love to know what you'd love to hear moving forward through our next 12 months as well. Leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every single one of them. And you can find it at robertstar.com forward slash episode 54 got a big interview coming up next week with Todd Yuri from the Pharmacy Podcast Show. That's right, a sister podcast show over in the US and we share what's working and what's not working in the US and Australia. He's gonna share with you what's working with the US and then I'm gonna share what I think's working in Australia with his audience in the US as well. It's gonna be fantastic. So have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.